I'm so glad that you're here this morning, um, all ten of you, because everybody else apparently slept in. Uh, ha, ha, ha. That's funny. That's funny. No, uh, hopefully you, you set your clocks forward and, and you made it here this morning. Obviously you did. You're here. Um, and for those of you that, that, those that aren't here, um, we'll just, we'll pray for them that they can set their clocks forward next time. So, um, my name is Clint Donaldson. I, I am on staff here. I am, uh, I work with the college ministry with the, um, all the communications and everything that you see as far as that. Um, but then I also have the privilege of, um, working with and, and leading the, the celebrate recovery ministry. And if you don't know what that is, you'll find out a little bit more today, um, about that as, as we kind of continue through the morning. Um, but I wanted to let you know just a couple of things about this message this morning. First of all, this is, uh, this is not a, um, I'm not going to take Isaiah 57 and, and do a, you know, exegesis of the entire chapter and go through all of it and, and, and just uh, verse by verse explain it. That's, that's not what's going to happen this morning. This morning is very practical um, application, hopefully, to, to your life. Um, and so... Uh, we we want to look at that. The other thing this morning that I wanted to let you know about ahead of time, just so that you know that you know that way you're not coming to me later, like you know, all frustrated. But I'm I'm probably going to push a few buttons this morning. Um, I hope I push buttons. That's what I prayed for. So if your buttons get pushed, I'm uh, well. I'm not really sorry. I was going to say I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm really not because it probably needs to happen. So um, it may make you feel uncomfortable. Um, just so you know. Uh, recovery is not something that is, is unfortunately widely accepted in the church. Most of us come to the church and we've got this mask on and everything's hunky-dory, everything's fine. And that's not necessarily the case in probably 99% of our lives. Everything is not fine. There is something that is, you are struggling with. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. And I hope that I push some of your buttons. Um, let me let you know just a little bit about Celebrate Recovery. It was started a little over 20 years ago at Saddleback Church out in California. Pastor Rick Warren uh, and the and the the man that, that started it all, his name is John Baker. He uh, is a recovering alcoholic and an adult child of an alcoholic. Um, and he came to to Rick Warren and said, "Pastor, we need we need something. You know, we've got AA, we've got these other 12 step programs. We need we need something." that actually talks about the Bible and actually talks about who God is and that he's not just a higher power, that we don't really know who he is. Okay, we know who the higher power is and it's God and we want to talk about that and he's the one that gives us healing and recovery. And so Rick Warren, uh, and, and I really like this part, Rick Warren said, okay, John, do it. It's fantastic. That's, I, 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 love, I love that as a staff member, uh, you know, just telling people, yeah, okay, that's a great idea. Go do it. Fantastic. Releasing people to ministry. That's what it's all about. Um, but Celebrate Recovery is probably one of the best discipleship programs uh, that, that is in the Christian faith. It is, it is simply showing people how to live as a biblical Christian. That, that is the, the end result of Celebrate Recovery. Because once you work out all this stuff and you begin to, to, to depend on God for all of these things, it's exactly what we need to be doing in our lives. 
Um, but the other thing that it does is it places that servant heart into each person that goes through the program. So because of that, you have all these people that are ready to serve, not only in Celebrate Recovery, but in almost every other ministry at Saddleback where they have, you know, thousands of people. Um, and, and I'm talking thousands of people just in their Celebrate Recovery ministry, not just the entire, not to mention the entire church. Uh, they have said that some of the best people that serve within their other ministries and the people that are leaders, the people that, that actually lead their church are from Celebrate Recovery and have gone through that program. So, um, and again, we, we started Celebrate Recovery here a little over two years ago. We began to pray and meet as leaders and, and a lot of things have happened. A lot of things have changed, but uh, we meet on, on Tuesday nights at seven o'clock and, and I'm inviting you right now. You know, a lot of times people are like, well, I don't really, nobody, nobody invited me. I'm not going to come because nobody invited me. You, you have my permission. You, you have my invitation. I'm extending that to you right now. Come this Tuesday night, seven o'clock. We would love to see each and every one of you there. And I can almost guarantee that each and every one of you not only would benefit, but probably need it. Um, if you will turn with me uh, to Isaiah 57. Uh, verse 18, and if you'll stand for the reading of God's word. Verse 18, Isaiah 57, verse 18, and it says this, I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore him to comfort and his mourners. In verse 19, creating the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Uh, Father, I, I, th- I thank you that we can gather together and we can hear your word. I pray that for each person that you're working and moving in their lives right now and saying, I, I want you to be healed from this. You don't have to live this way any longer that you would continue to work, Father, that you would touch their heart and that you would speak to them this morning. Father, we we need you. We ask you to be here and we humbly come before your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There's just a couple of things I want to point out from Isaiah 57, and then uh, we're going to look at the, the eight principles, and, and I'm going to have to go through them fairly quickly because I went a little long in the first service. Um, so there's four things I want to look at. First of all, God wants to heal you. <laughs> Simply, God wants to heal you. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, God wants to heal you. He doesn't want you to stay in that pain and that suffering and that hurt that you're in right now. He doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to heal you. And that's exactly what this verse is saying. The second thing is God wants to lead you. Now, as many of you know, <laughs> it's, uh, we, we, we tend to like to do things on our own. We're very independent people. Um, we like to, to do things ourselves. And so... When we do things on our own, most of you might have figured this out. Some of you might not have. Uh, but when we do things on our own, they kind of get messed up. Okay? It, it's just how it, it, it works. You know, we do things on our own and they get messed up. And God says, I want to lead you. I want to move you out of that. And I want to be the one to lead your life. He wants to take control and lead you in the way that you should go. And as we talk later, we'll, we'll see 
you know, uh, how, how things can kind of get messed up and, and, and how God wants to actually lead us. The third thing, God wants to restore your comfort. That verse there says, uh, I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners. He wants to restore our comfort. Now, we know that, that the Christian life is not all peaches and roses, right? It's not, it's not easy. It's not something that, that once we become a Christian, everything is great. We, we don't have any more problems. Nobody ever gets hurt. I'm always happy. That's not really how it works, is it? We still go through things. And God allows us to go through those things. You know, obviously, I always think of Job when I think of that. God allows us to go through things and through that suffering in order to draw us closer to him. And that's really what he's saying here. He's saying, draw close to me and I will give you comfort. I will comfort you with the things that you're struggling with. And finally, he wants to offer peace. And there's two kinds of peace that he wants to offer. First of all, it's the, it's the war that's going on between us and God. And in the middle is sin. And our sin separates us from God. And it makes us to be at war with him. Because God hates sin. God hates sin. And because of that... You know, he provided that reconciliation so that there is no more war and there is peace between us. God provided that reconciliation through his work on the cross. So God gives us that hope and he gives us that, that peace. Um, the, the second half of the peace is that God understands. You see, Jesus Christ is the person in his 33 years on this earth understands. He went through, he was tempted, and he was tried through everything that we've experienced. He knows what you deal with on a daily basis. He understands. And so because of that, he offers that specific peace that you're needing. He offers that comfort. Um, so some of you are probably saying, all right, so I, I get that. God wants to heal me, okay? He wants to lead me, comfort me, all that stuff. Okay, that's fine but I don't really have anything that I need to recover from, okay? I don't, I don't really have any issues. I don't have anything that I'm really struggling with. So, you know, what, what do I need to recover from? And so we're gonna, we're gonna put it up on the screen here. There's, there's a few things. Um, and, and I think my list, I realize, doesn't really go with the list on the screen. So I'm just gonna read them and they'll go up on the screen and you can kind of see them as well. Uh, but overworking, that's one of them. Overeating, alcohol, drugs, Overspending, grief, guilt, anger, rage, fear and anxiety, divorce. Divorce is something we need to recover from. Uh, abuse, both physical and emotional abuse. Um, sexual addiction and also uh, uh, sexual abuse can go in there as, as well. Um, codependency, insecurity, hypochondria, hurtful relationships, gambling, lying. You may think that's something as simple as lying. Yeah, we need to recover from that. Uh, procrastination, the need to control, all of those things. There's, there's this, this huge list, and you know what? You can probably take that list, 
and you can double it, triple it, quadruple it. Uh, you could take that list and, and add so many more things, but, but there's things in there that all of us struggle with. If 50% of marriages end in divorce, well then at least 50% of the people in here have been impacted by that. Uh, I mean, if, because we all know people that are married, we all know people that have been divorced and we're impacted by that. And, and many times within our families, there's issues there and we need to recover from that. Most of us have dealt with some type of loss People die. We grieve. There's grief there because of that loss. We need to recover from those things. This isn't just something where <laughs> you, you, you have an alcohol addiction. You have a drug addiction. You know, you're addicted to pornography, although that's probably one of the most common problems for, for the men in this church and in the whole world today. There's, there's problems there. We have to deal with those things. We have to, God doesn't want us to stay in the, the, the pain and the hurt and the suffering that those things cause. He wants to heal us and he wants to move us out. So how does, how does, how does he do that? How do we do that? And we look at the eight principles and these eight principles come from the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through all eight principles and I'm going to try to do it fairly quickly so that we can get through all of them because there's eight um, and that's kind of a lot. Um, it'd be like if Pastor Heath tried to sum up all of the past eight sermons that he just did. That's a lot, right? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of information. So I'm going to run through these and, and hopefully you can kind of catch through on, on some of these. So um, what I want you to do is we're going to throw them up on the screen. Uh, the different principles, and I want you to read this along with me, okay? Um, so just, just read this along with me. Realize I'm not God. I admit I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life has become unmanageable. All right, you're already sitting there like, wait a second. I'm good. My life's okay. You know, I've got... I've got everything I need. My family's good. Financially, I'm taken care of. Everything is fine. Okay? I, I'm, I'm good. Well, let me tell you what that's called because it's, it's called something that's called denial. Okay? You're, you, there's things that you struggle with, all right? And, and denial, as we say in recovery, it's not just a river in Egypt. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, I've got a couple cheesy ones, so... Sorry. Um, yeah. We'll edit those out in the podcast, probably. Um, yeah. Denial. Okay. My problems aren't that bad. Okay. I can do it on my own. If you say those things to yourself, that's called denial. And we have to step out of denial. That's the first thing we have to do. We have to realize that we're not God and that we can't control our lives. Because of our sin nature, we have a tendency to do the wrong thing. Romans chapter 7 verse 15 says this, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And Paul is talking here. And whatever it is that he had, he had problems with, that he was struggling with, he realized that because of his sin nature, he did not have the power to control it himself. And for those of you that like to control things, this is a rude awakening, Right? We can't control things on our own. Our lives are unmanageable because of that sin nature. Um, we, we are always pointed toward that bad. Not that we always do bad things, but that's, that's our tendency is to go that way. We do good things by the grace of God, but our tendency is to go that way. Okay, second principle. 
Read this with me. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Hebrews eleven six says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now you're probably sitting there saying, okay, I'm in church. I think I believe in God. Okay, that's, that's a fair assessment. And you're right. Most people would probably say that they believe in God. Statistically, most people in the United States say that they, there is, that God exists, that he is there, that there is some type of God. That's fairly easy for most people. Creation declares your glory. The heavens declare your glory. The Bible tells us that through creation, we see God. We see his handiwork. We see it in, in who we are, in our physical bodies, the miracles that, that our bodies are able to do because God created us that way. Okay, we, we understand and we know that there's a God. But the second thing that people kind of have a harder time with is understanding what God's character is. You see, as we talked about before, Jesus went through everything. He understands, he knows, he was tempted without sin, but he was tempted in everything that we struggle with, everything that we've been through, everything that we feel, he felt it, every pain, all the suffering, he knows and he felt it. And because he knows, he cares. He cares for us. He, the difference is that he has the power to change us. Okay, he has the power. So we believe that God exists. We, we, we realize that he cares about us and he has the power to change who we are. The problem is we have to accept God's gift to help. Okay, and that's where there's a couple of different things. Pride, fear, anxiety, get in the way. You see, most of us like to kind of stay right in here. This is where we're at. This is what we know. Even if it's bad, even if it's horrible circumstances, but at least I know this. At least I know what to expect. And this is where I'm going to stay. This is where I'm going to hang out. Because if I let God change me, I don't know what's going to happen. And I would rather expect and know what's going to happen and just stay right here. It's that fear of change. The fear of moving outside of it. Let me tell you a little story about fear. Um, and my wife's probably going to kind of freak out a little bit. She's not even looking at me right now. She's back there in the booth. And, um, but last night we went on a date, went to Olive Garden. Fantastic. Um, had a gift card. So that was, that was good. Um, and, uh, we're, we're sitting there, we're waiting to try to, to, to be seated. And this guy walks out of the bathroom and we both kind of think, oh, we know that guy. Who is that? Um, we realize that it's the guy that played Jason Street from Friday Night Lights. Okay, does anybody watch Friday Night Lights, the TV show? Not the movie, the TV show. Fantastic show. Um, and, and he played Jason Street, who was basically in the first episode, he was a star quarterback who in like the first play of the first game gets knocked out and ends up paralyzed. Okay, and that's kind of the, 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 the big storyline throughout all five seasons of the show. Okay, so we're like, wow, really... That looks like him. So I didn't even know what his name was, the, like his actual name. I know, I just know him as Jason Street, you know, like uh, QB1, you know. Um, he's, uh, and so I look, we both get our phones, we're on Wikipedia, you know. Okay, his name's Scott Porter. Fantastic. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, Carrie decides, she gets on Twitter. She figures out, she finds his name on Twitter and his Twitter account. And she's like, I'm going to tweet him. <laughs> okay. All right. So she tweets him. 
uh, and says, hey, are you at the, the Olive Garden in Arlington? And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, it's, it's not him. Why is he at the Olive Garden in Arlington? That doesn't make sense. Um, he, you know, he's a semi-famous actor. He's been in other things besides Friday Night Lights. Like, you know, so why is he at the Olive Garden in Arlington? So she tweets him and she says, you know, if, if, if it's not you, then it's definitely your doppelganger. Like, he looks exactly like you. And so he, he uh, so we're sitting there and he kind of sits a couple, couple of seats behind us and this group and uh, Carrie leans over and she says, I just heard them say our last name. They, they just said Donaldson at that table. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. What have we gotten ourselves into at this point? Um, and, and so he, he tweets back and says, actually, I am. I'm, I'm at Olive Garden in Arlington. So we're like, okay, this is him. This is crazy. So finally, after a little while, she tweets back and just says, hey, we're big fans of Friday Night Lights. You know, no big deal. Like, that's it. And the whole time I'm kind of thinking, okay, do we talk to him? Do we not? Like, we're going through this whole, I mean, really this, this fear of like, okay, do we, do we talk to him? Do we not talk to him? Like, you know, and we kind of justify it like, oh, well, he's, he's kind of famous. We don't want to bother him. Like, he probably has people come up and, and like want pictures and autographs all the time. So he's just trying to have a nice, normal evening. We don't want to ruin that. Okay. That's how we justified it. Even though we were really just like, I don't, I don't want to talk to him because I'm kind of scared to talk to him because really awkward and I don't, I don't want to do that. So anyways, we're walking out. We all kind of walked out, ended up walking out at the same time. And he ends up holding the door for us. And we kind of smiled at each other and that was it. And I'm thinking, yeah, he probably saw your picture on Twitter and he knows it's you. And he's like, why aren't you talking to me? And this is really awkward. So I'm like quickly walking out and we get to the car and, and uh, so she pulls out her phone and, and she starts, you know, going on her phone. I'm like, what are you doing? And she said, Oh, well, I just tweeted him, thanks for holding the door. (laughs) Oh, okay. Because it wasn't, it was too awkward to actually talk to him. But to tweet him, thanks for holding the door, even though I didn't ever talk to you, that's not, that's not awkward at all. So it's, it's that fear that stops us from doing what we need to do. That, that, that fear that stops us from accepting God's help. The third thing, uh, third principle, if you'll read this with me, uh, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. So we figured out we can't do it. We know we can't do it on our own. Our life's unmanageable. And we believe that God exists and that he can do it. And so now we actually let him do it. We let him change us. We let him make us who he wants us to be and to get all of the crap out of our life and move forward and, and begin to feel that healing and that freedom. That's, that's what we do in this step. Um, and, and what we call that in recovery circles is we let go and let God. Let go and let God. Proverbs 3 verses 6 and 7 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and he will make your paths straight. You see, we, we have to let, let go and let God, let him take control. Trust in him that he is much better than we are. He can do it better than us, amen? We have to let go and let God. The fourth principle, read this with me. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself 
to God and to someone I trust. All right, I'm going to get a little pushback again because people are probably like, all right, all right, that's fine. I can, I can admit it to myself. I can admit I have a problem. All right, I can do that. I can admit it to God because he's probably not going to tell anybody. Um, but, but you want me to, to tell somebody else what I struggle with? Seriously? Like, God, you want me to tell some, like, actually tell them, like verbally tell them. Yeah, yeah, I want you to tell them. And, and what, this is, what this is really doing, this is the, the house cleaning step, okay? Because we're going to examine our faults. We're going to examine our problems. We're going to examine what's going on in our lives, both good and bad. And the way that we do this um, is, is by grab a pen and paper. And you make a column that says good. You make a column that says bad. And you start writing down. All right. Um, my family's pretty good. All right, I'm good. All right. And what's, what's something that's kind of not good in my life? Well, um, I, like a, I like to drink a little too much, maybe. Um, I might, might have a problem there. Um, you know, I've got a lot of, of, of guilt from this, this past thing that happened. Um, you know, or, or maybe I, I'm, I'm still grieving over the loss of my, my father or, you know, somebody like that, okay? So we make that list and we do that inventory, Okay. Lamentations 3.40 says this, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Okay? We have to write down the good and the bad, and God calls us to actually test and examine our ways. Not to just sit around and think, oh, you know, I'm good, I'm, I'm fine. No, he wants us to actually sit down and figure out what's going on well in my life and what's not. And we actually have to ask him, God, will you help us point out the things that we're struggling with because we may not even realize them. And so it's fairly easy, you know, we can be honest with ourselves. We can admit it to ourselves sometimes. If we can step out of that denial, we can admit it to ourselves. We can confess to God. Even though he already knows, this allows us to have that deeper relationship with him, that deeper uh, dependence on him, okay? But then we have to confess to someone you trust. And I promise you, there's probably someone sitting right next to you right now that you can trust. The church should be a place where we can come and actually voice our struggles and actually say, this is what I'm hurting about. This is, this is where I have pain. This is where I'm struggling in my life and I need it to change and I need God to help me and I need you to help me. Because the Christian life is not something that is meant to be done alone. God placed other people in your life to help you and you know what? The funny thing is, we, we think, oh, you know, it's just, it's my problem. And I'm the only one that struggles with this. And I can't talk to anybody. People around you know. People around you, they understand because they've probably been through at least something similar, if not the exact same thing. Other people are here to help. We have to confess to others. And my suggestion to you is that you confess it to someone that is maybe the same sex as you. Your spouse is great. But unfortunately, a lot of times between spouses, we cause a lot of hurt. <laughs> and so it might be that your spouse is the person that hurt you. So find somebody that's the same sex as you that can, you can trust and that you can share with, that you can have that accountability with and say, this is really where I'm hurting. This is really where I'm having problems. I need, I need some help. Okay, the fifth thing. I'm on five, okay. Voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Romans 12 verses one and two says this, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. 
Do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need that renewing of our minds to get rid of those character defects. There's, there's three different types of character defects that you might run into. One, uh, there's, there's the, the nature ones, the ones that, you know, we are kind of built into us, okay? Now, maybe that's, that's an alcohol addiction, okay? It's something that's run in your family for years and years, alcohol addiction. Then there's also the, the nurture, something that is just kind of based on our circumstances. We're kind of thrown into this, not by choice. And maybe that's an abuse situation, um, you know, and you, you get thrown into this situation that you, you didn't plan on being in. But then there's also those choices. We make really stupid choices sometimes that really affect us and really mess us up. But whatever the reason for the defect that is in your life, that character defect, there's no excuse for sin. There's no excuse for sin. We must ask God to help us change and remove that character defect. It's that renewing of our mind each day. So how do we do that? One thing at a time, okay? One thing at a time. We don't want to get overwhelmed and say, I've got all these problems. You start with one thing and you say, I'm going to work on this. God, I need you to help me. And it's a process. And it's one day at a time. So one thing at a time, one day at a time, you work through it. And you allow God to begin to work in your life. Okay. The, uh, let's see, what am I on? The sixth thing, okay? Evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. In Ephesians verse 4, chapter 30, or I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Simply put, we have to forgive others and make amends. Forgive others and make amends where we've hurt other people. Okay, we, In order to have a right relationship with God, we have to fix the relationships that are in our lives. Matthew 5 says it this way. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching. And he's saying, if you go and present a gift at the altar, present a sacrifice at the altar, and realize that your brother has something against you, you need to stop, go, be reconciled with your brother, and then come back and offer your gift. We can't actually have that relationship with God until we've taken care of this first. And that's what's really important. We have to take care and be reconciled with our, whoever it is, friends, family, parents, spouse, have to make amends and forgive others where that needs to happen, okay? Principle seven says this, read with me, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. We have to stay in the word. We have to stay in the word, prayer, meditation. This is really the, the, the maintenance step of our recovery. We've been through this whole process. And now in order that we don't go back to where we came from to have that relapse, now we need to say, okay, 
I'm going to continue to work on these things every single day. Continue to spend time with God. Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats, seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its, loaf does not, its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. We simply, very, very simply, we have to be biblically rooted. Just like that tree, we have to be biblically rooted. And like Pastor Heath preached about last week, we have to be biblically rooted in the word, studying God's word every single day. Um, Mark 14, verse 38 says this, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We have to continue to be in prayer and, and to be in that relationship with God. Otherwise, we'll fall back into denial and think that we can do it on our own again when we really need God. It's that dependence on him every single day. The last Last principle here is yield myself to God to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. Um, and the verse there says this, First Peter 3.15, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who seeks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet to do it with gentleness and respect. <laughs>